Um, now what we have in our service is what's called Missio Voice, and I'm going to invite Adrian Fry up. Adrian is one of our elders here, and I'm um, going to kind of give a bit of an update um, on some things that are going on um, here at Missio. So welcome, Adrian, and thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, I just have a... Uh, oh, good. Um, we have an update about the 2020 plan and how it relates to women's roles in the church. So we rolled out the 2020 plan at the top of this year, which kind of feels like five years ago, but it was only a few months. <laughs> totally. So, um, yeah, so we just have an update about that. And um, we've spent much of our time over the last two years as a leadership team uh, just doing a lot of praying and reading scripture and reading theologians and discerning where God would have us step in this next um, chapter as who we are as Missio Day. And we believe that moving forward, the best course is to empower both men and women to serve in the role of elder at Missio. We've discovered and know that faithful Christians hold opposing views on this issue. Um, and we just really desire to move forward with humility and unity together um, as one body. So stay tuned for an email this week. Um, there will be a video and a podcast produced by Heather and Luke Goodrich, another elder, just kind of detailing our history with women's roles in the church and how we landed on this moment today. For me, this is also just a noteworthy moment because the tr tradition that I grew up in, the Lutheran tra tradition, excuse me, hmm. is celebrating 50 years of ordaining women this year. Hmm. Um, and that's special to me as the son of two pastors. Hmm. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks for being here. And like Adrian said, um, this has been a discussion for the last couple of years. Um, and so we can't really do justice to it in a missio voice, clearly. And so this week, you'll be receiving an email. And in that um, email, there'll be a link to a video uh, that'll give more on how we came to this, the wrestling that we've done, the history of who Missio is. And then Luke has captured the thoughts that we have that are based on Scripture and rooted on Scripture and how we're moving forward in this. And so we'll have a link to that paper so that everyone can have opportunity to read that um, and extend kind of your own thoughts um, to the processes that we've been in. And it captures that conversation, but I, all, what I also want to say to us, Missio, is that theological conversation is for all of us, that it's not just limited to a leadership team. And so as you read through the paper, as you watch the video, and we want you to be able to share your thoughts and experiences, to share those together as community, as we look to the text together. Someone is trying to call me. <laughs> um, and it's important that we all feel empowered to understand theology and to understand theological um, conversations and attuning to the Bible over something that has been debated for centuries. And so beginning in November, we're going to have table conversations where we can enter in together into this conversation. Because like I said, um, theology and Bible is for everyone, not just for a leadership team. And so we ask you to read through the paper, to watch the video, to be thoughtful about how you've come to your own convictions, and then together and um, we'll gather around tables or on Zoom to be able to hear from one another um, because this conversation is for everyone. So you'll find those details too um, in the upcoming email. So let's pray. Do you want to pray for us, Adrian? Sure. Yeah. Jesus, thank you so much for this day, and thank you so much for this body and um, just the faithfulness that you have shown us, God, as we mm -hmm. sang this morning. Mm -hmm. God, continue to be faithful to us as we take these steps as a community, as um, you work in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. 
would you be with us, God? Would you draw near? Would you draw close? And would you be just ever present to us as we um, unpack your scripture and just learn who we are as your Missio Dei? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks. And as always, if you have questions or you want to meet with any of us on the leadership team, you can send us an email um, and we want to stay connected to all of you. Now's the time in our service. We have a reading and Rhea's going to be reading our text today, which is Acts chapter 10. And it's a pretty long text. So if you have a phone, and um, pull it out, pull up Acts chapter 10. If you're at home, you have a Bible or a phone or some way to read the text, I'd love for you to read along. Um, and then as I'm preaching through the sermon, I'll be referring to different portions of the text. So it'll be good for you to have a reference so that you can go back to the verses. So thanks, Rhea. She's going to be reading Acts chapter 10. Acts 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the Centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man, who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. 
So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Um, we're in a series at the moment called the Missio Dei, which means, Missio Dei literally means mission of God. Um, and it's who we are, right? Our namesake, Missio Dei. And our mission statement at Missio Dei is we're joining God in the renewal of all things. And so the question that we ask ourselves with a statement like that is How? How does God bring renewal and change in the world, and how would we join him? And God brings this renewal and change through his presence, through God's presence. Matthew 28, chapter 20, Jesus says to the disciples and then to all of us that I am with you always. That's a promise that he gives us in Matthew chapter 28. And there's something so mysterious, as Johnny talked about last week, about God's presence, and yet his presence is revealed in Jesus, a human, takes on ordinary flesh and bones, has eyes and lips. And so though God's presence is mysterious, it is also personal and accessible, And in Acts chapter 2, after Jesus says those words, I will be with you always, he sends a spirit, the promised spirit. And the spirit is in us and with us. And again, it's this picture that God's presence is personal and accessible. And while it's mysterious, God's presence that is filling and empowering and transforming, it's also very ordinary. 
because his spirit is in the everyday, in us, and around and about us in our daily lives. And God gives us in the Bible practices or disciplines or liturgies, depending on what tradition you come from, but they all just mean the same thing. Basically, it just means that there are ways in which we can tend to the presence of God who is present around and in us. And as we tend the same way that we would tend a garden, we wake up to God. We're opened up to God's life-giving presence in our midst. And that's what is happening in Acts and specifically in Acts chapter 10 in this chapter that we just read. There's a gentleman by the name of Cornelius and he's an officer in the Roman army. In verse 2 it says, He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Just kind of living his ordinary life and in this moment he experiences an encounter kind of an extraordinary encounter, and God has a message that God sees him. And it makes sense because the acts that he is doing are beautiful in God's sight. Praying and giving to those who are in need and being generous. And so this messenger says that God sees this and then sends him to go and find Peter, who is a guest at Simon's house. He's like, head out there and go and see Simon or Peter who's staying at Simon's house and so Cornelius sends these three dudes to fetch Peter meanwhile Peter is also praying on the roof and he's a little hungry because you know God does things in ordinary moments and so he's sitting on the roof and he's waiting for the meal to be prepared and while he does he gets this strange strange picture of the sheet coming down out of heaven and inside the sheet are all these animals and he hears this voice eat up chow down get after it Peter and Peter's like what no and there's something that we have to know here for context if Peter had eaten the animals that were in that sheet would have violated his food customs Peter is a devout Jew And he is committed to those customs. And they're rooted in the books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And they're related to ritual purity. And if you Google Bible Project Ritual Purity, it'll kind of open your mind up to this a little bit more. But that's why Peter is so perplexed. Because it would be totally against these ritual purity customs that he's familiar with out of the books of Deuteronomy and Leviticus. And so while he's perplexed about this whole situation with the sheet, he's really clear that there's some guests coming and that it's his job to welcome them. So off he toddles off the roof and he goes down and then there are these guests. And they tell him where they've come from. We've come from Cornelius. Chapter verse 22. The centurion, he's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. And then... Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Peter has now turned from being the guest to the welcoming host. He invites them in. 
And like I said, these food customs are related to ritual purity, and it had kind of become a bit of a complex situation in ancient Israel. Biblical and rabbinic law considered non-Jews or Gentiles exempt from these laws of ritual purity, but, or the food customs, but they did eat impure foods and they did touch impure substances that came in contact. And so some rabbinic sources stated that because of that, Gentiles were ritually impure. And so a lot of people didn't feel like they could be in the presence of other people, specifically non-Jews. And they especially would not have been eating with them. And so Peter is stepping way outside of his comfort zone by welcoming these people as guests. And when you hear this, you might be like, what is all this silliness, dude? It just sounds like a whole load of silliness, like food things and customs and people can't eat and people can't eat. And so I can't be with them and I can be with them. but we have our own ways of letting certain things turn into complexity, don't we? Ways that we hold on to that determine whether or not we are willing to welcome other people or not. And this moment that we're living in right now in 2020 is very loud related to that who we choose to have at our tables or who we would prefer not to. Or maybe who we won't. Maybe it's related to a political party or political agendas like abortion or climate change or health care or gun laws. There is complexity in all of the things that I just named. And yet we divide around them. Racism divides this country. We've talked already this morning about a theological reality in the context of the church, a debate that has happened for centuries around women that has the capacity to divide, to keep us separated from one another. Our political agendas separate us. Race separates us. The church and the the divisions that we have in the context and the conversations we have around the interpretation of Scripture, they divide. How we feel, what we believe, our convictions, what we hold as right, often determine who we share presence with, who we gather with. And it doesn't just have to be in person, which is difficult right now, because we have thoughts and emotions And those thoughts and emotions are not always welcoming. And so our tensions and our complexities are as real as they were in this moment with Peter. 
Peter welcomes them as guests. And then the next day, he starts out with these folks. And he goes to Caesarea, to the house of Cornelius. And at the house, he finds a big group of people have gathered. And then he presses further in, verse 22. You are aware that this is against my custom. But he presses in towards something that would have been culturally unacceptable. It's not his instinct. But he's listening to God and he is moving towards these others. And he says, may I ask why you've sent me? And Cornelius says, well, now we're all here in the presence of God. Surely I'm listening, which would have been mind-boggling for Peter. Probably wouldn't have expected this person who works for the Roman government to be like, yeah, here we are in the presence of God, and I'm here listening. God was there before him, before Peter. The Spirit was there attuning to this man who worked for the government that was in opposition to this Jewish religious man. And then he says, here we are all gathered. Now let's listen together. And so this is what Peter says. He begins to speak and he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. We might, as humans, But God doesn't. And then he goes on to tell about the good news and the peace of Jesus Christ. And that he had been a witness of Jesus doing good and healing. And that he had also been a witness to Jesus being killed and hanging on a cross. And he'd also been witness to Jesus' resurrection in another ordinary moment where he ate and drank with him. It says it right there in the passage in Verse 40. And now he's got this news that he wants to share. That there is a judge, and it's not Peter. And it's not the religious people, and it's not these customs, and it's not these traditions. There is a judge, and his name is Jesus. And he's the kind of judge, it says, when we trust that his intention is to extend forgiveness. That there is graciousness. There's a quality of graciousness to this judge. And of course, he would want to be known by people all over the place. And so while Peter is still speaking, the Spirit there, the presence of God in this gathered moment they receive God's presence and the spirit is poured out on Cornelius and the household and the missio day is revealed that the heart of God is to offer his healing, freeing forgiving presence to the world that is the missio day that the heart of God is is to offer his healing, freeing, forgiving presence to the world. And this moment is both extraordinary and ordinary. It's a house, 
And a man there with his family, he works for the government and he brought his family in. And then there's a blue collar worker, Peter, who's a fisherman. He's a Jew and they don't really belong together. They don't belong together at all, but God is in their midst and he brings them together. And I think when we look at the text, we see that the most surprised people are Peter and those with him. The ones who have seen Jesus, who've grown up in all of the religious tradition, and maybe should have known that this is what God is all about. Bringing his healing, freeing, forgiving presence into the world. And yet they're the most surprised And so I think this story doesn't just tell us, it's not so much to tell us about Peter and Cornelius. This story is what it tells us about God. That God never stops renewing. God never stops being present. Even in the complexity of all the human situations, God never stops being present. like in ritual purity and food laws, or like COVID, or like a presidential election. God never stops being present. And that's so easy to lose sight of. That God is doing renewing work in the world, that restoring the world and reconciling things that are broken and bringing flourishing back to creation. That's what God is doing in the world. And in Jesus, we get these glimmers of that as he heals and teaches and challenges sinful people and structures. And then as the spirit comes and acts, the church is this another picture of the power that we get and renewing presence of God. And then in Revelation 21, where we're headed, it's a picture of this ultimate renewal where we feast together around another table. And it's this picture, this constant picture in the text of God's renewing presence with us. Monsieur, we are a community of people who are renewed by God's spirit and empowered to extend God's renewing work into our everyday lives in our families, and in our neighborhoods, and in our workplaces. And there's a picture here I'm going to put up. It's a picture Johnny had last week. On Sundays, we gather around a communion table, which we're going to do in just a minute, here with this, and you with the ones you have, and those of you at home. And this table is a picture that God brings us all together that he's renewing and healing and forgiving. And that's the kind of presence we have and the kind of presence we extend. We might not otherwise be together. I'm an English lady in Salt Lake City. I don't know though who really would be together other than this story. But we belong together. And that's what this table tells us. We belong together. But it's not supposed to end here. This is just a picture of it. Because we go from this table and then you go to your own homes and families. 
You sit around a table and God is present there with you. And then into your everyday lives as you gather around tables, maybe in other people's homes or in cafes or bars or at your workplaces. And our job isn't to manufacture or control God's work, but to discern and pay attention and to submit ourselves to his renewing work that is happening in and around us. And the question is, are we willing to be surprised by what God is doing? Are we willing to stay curious in moments where we might just want to give up or feel weary? Can we be open-hearted, waiting for what God might want to reveal? Because our faith and our trust are not arbitrary. Our faith and our trust are in a God who says he's doing something, bringing about renewal, healing, transforming, bringing together disparate peoples who are pretty grumpy or angry or violent towards each other. It's bringing new life. And so what does that mean? What does that mean for us, Missio? What does that mean for you? Not just around this table, but around the other tables that you're around. It may mean that you have to attune to your politics right now. Where have you lost sight of the humanity of others? Christ's Spirit is in us, renewing us. We extend welcome to those who are different than us, who we disagree with. We don't have to agree with each other. But there's a welcoming generosity and a peace that the people of Jesus have to offer that will renew in honestly what right now is a space of fracture and dissonance and discord. The world needs the church and the Spirit of God to show up. So where have you lost sight of the humanity of others? It may mean that you join us for a table conversation about women and women's roles in leadership in the church. You may have never had this conversation before. You may have never known that it was a theological conversation. That's okay. You're welcome. You may have left Missio over this. For some random reason, you're watching this right now. Come and have a meal with us. Welcome. Maybe you don't know what you believe about God or you don't believe in God. Come and have a meal with us. We'd like to listen to you. Maybe you need to enter into a conversation about racism. I don't know what it is or what the Spirit might awaken inside of you today to be a welcoming, transformative, renewing human in this space that is our world right now in 2020. But I guarantee that he wants to. The same way that the presence of God was clearly present to Cornelius 
and present to Peter, that same spirit is present to us now today in Salt Lake City and is doing the work of renewing and asks us to participate. And we practice in gathering, table to table to table, and in so doing, we've become awake to the presence of God. And it isn't always easy. It wasn't easy for Peter. If you look at Galatians chapter 2, Paul had to be like, yo, dude, why aren't you eating with the Galatians? He forgot all about this moment. So we're not always going to get it right, and that's not the point. But in our gatherings, it's for all of us. Guest and host will play both roles. And we might well be surprised at what God is already up to. Let's pray. Jesus, we acknowledge that you are the judge. And that as the judge, it says in this passage that you offer forgiveness, that you extend generosity towards us. And we so quickly want to take the role of judge from you and adopt it to ourselves. And in so doing, we're clear in what we do. We create systems and structures that separate and divide. We create hierarchies where some are better than others. And we forget that you don't show favoritism that you're alive in love for all of us, renewing, transforming, bringing new life, healing that which is broken. And so we just acknowledge today that we want and need your presence. Help us to be aware, awake to your presence. Help us to tend to what you're doing so that we can be those people that are renewing, that we join you in the renewing of all things. Help us to attune to where we shut people out and we're not welcoming to guests. Whether that's politically or racially or in any way, Jesus, show us. But ultimately, thanks for your graciousness that you're always a welcoming presence to us. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. When Jesus was with his disciples around a table, he broke bread. He said, this is my body which is given for you. And he took the wine and he lifted it and he said, do this in remembrance of me. And as we do it, we remember his words also that he said, and I am with you always. So, Missio, Christ is with us. Christ is in us and his spirit changes us. Let's continue worshiping.